Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hey, everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're going to cause trouble. Scott Farrell is calling the shots from the sideline. We're going to make fun of people. We're going to hurt people's feelings. It's Farrell on the bench. I believe in whipped cream with everything. Well, on the bench in the biggest way possible, hanging out the bad seat of broken ain't a bad apple with a bad attitude, hanging around a bunch of bad attitude, bad taste, bad lot, bad dude, bad breath, bad attitude, bad vibes. We are live in the Pharrell Palatial right across the river and through the woods from where Granny just stole my satchel page of grape pie when she was drinking a little too much vino in New York City. The Big Apple, ooh, people dressed in plastic bags, directed traffic, some kind of fashion, shake it up, should do but all my friends that come around flat to flat to party up. Rats on the west side, bed bugs uptown. What a mess, this town's a tatter. My brain's just splattered all over Manhattan. Should do be shake out. Hey, what's gigging? It's Pharrell along with Mafia tonight. And um, it's 20 to 10 Chargers on top of the Saints in the Monday Nighter on Bourbon Street. They're early in the third quarter. And I just have to say that, I mean, honestly, like, what is the deal with Drew Brees? I mean, uh, other than he just looks terrible. I mean, have you ever seen anything like it? Like, seriously, uh, I know it's not the most dramatic thing in the world, but he's 14 to 24 for 106 yards, a 4.4 yard average. He's thrown a pick. He's been sacked. His rating was 51.7. And, you know, I'm sorry, like the pick he threw in the second quarter was just embarrassing. Uh, It was like, I don't even know what he was looking at. It's almost like, you know, nobody wants to talk about it ever. They're just like, he's the greatest quarterback that ever lived. And he's got all the records for quarterbacks. And he's just, he's, people love him and all this other stuff. Bottom line is, I mean, you can't tell me now. I've seen two primetime games with this guy on this year, and he's been dreadful. That's all there is to it. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. 
So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. So uh, Herbert on the other uh, end of the spectrum is uh, dealing. He's 10 of 16 for 115 yards, a seven-yard average, 7.2, and three touchdowns he's thrown in the game. I just thought, uh, you know, the first one was to Allen, and then he threw one to Williams, and he threw one to the tight end Henry, and all three of them were just dimes. I mean, he just. They were perfect passes into the end zone, uh, all three of them. And I just thought uh, he looked fantastic. And they were up 20 to three. And I'm sitting there watching this guy. And, you know, I think I tweeted out something like blame Breeze when they were down 20 to three. This is after he threw the pick and they gave up the touchdown to uh, the tight end. And all I know is, it's like, you don't want to say anything because you think in the moment that he's going to, you know, have some big, huge comeback and and win the game, right? Like, you see Russell Wilson gets the ball and goes 94 yards and, and they score the winner, right? Metcalf in the Seattle Viking game. And then you think, all right, you can't just give Drew Brees a bunch of opportunities and not think that he's going to cash in, right? So I just was like, I don't want to say anything because I'm like, I I think that the guy still has a chance to come back in this game. But the reality of it is, uh, underneath it all, is that I don't actually believe that. I really don't believe that he's going to bring him back because from what I'm seeing, I'm just seeing a guy uh, for the first time ever in his career, which has been illustrious and incredible and Hall of Fame worthy for sure, is that he's starting to look old to me and and no one wants to admit it. No one wants to go there because they just uh, have been on this guy's D forever. <laughs> they just love this guy so much. Everyone in the NFL, media, players, everyone loves Drew Brees. Then his stock dropped when he started uh, getting political, remember, with his comments about Black Lives Matter. And that cost him his reputation there for it took a big hit. Obviously, people turned on him and then he quickly made amends and uh, dedicated his life to the Black Lives Matter movement to show that uh, it wasn't who he is. But I think his stock took a hit that uh, week. And then he came back and started playing football and everyone forgot about it. But the reality is, is that he's been 
below average, if you ask me, without a doubt, this year. He's like, so my son told me a stat. I don't even know if it's accurate, but he said that since uh, 2017, and I don't know if this is true. I even said to him, is that documented? Is that fact? Uh, But 2017, it's been the last time he threw a ball completed over 37 yards. So you understand, like, just like a 40-yard, like, bomb, which is, you know, that's a, that's a nice bomb, a 40-yarder. He hasn't done that once. Not, I mean, he had 37 yards, ain't 40. So he hasn't done it once, allegedly, since 2017. That's what he told me, and I almost didn't believe it. But he said it's true, and I was like, that's crazy. But now, look at the average of his passes. Tonight is four yards. So he dinks it all the way down the field. His interception was grotesque. I mean, it's unbelievable watching this guy anymore. Like, I'm watching him, and I can't believe my eyes because it's right in front of my face, and I don't want to admit it, that Father Time has finally uh, started, you know, at the very least living in his backyard. I mean, Father Time's right outside the house, knocking on the door. Trust me. And it's written all over his arm, his face. He looks like, uh, you know, down in, you know, when it matters most, it just looks like the confidence isn't there anymore. That he's, you know, when there's pressure, he's just throwing bad passes. And I saw him on a screen tonight, just throw it straight into the ground. I was like, he would have never done that. He would have floated that ball over the, the pass rush, you know, that little screen underneath. Now he's like throwing it into the ground. He's like running for his life. He's like, he just doesn't look the same to me. How can you watch him and say he looks the same? It's impossible. All right, let's go uh, to John in Buffalo and put him on the bench. Hey, Scotty. First off, I know a week or two ago you were talking about uh, the mightier 1090 signal. And my buddy's a fan of yours in Vancouver, Canada. So he hears you crystal clear. I thought I'd let you know that. That's great. I, it's just such a great uh, station and signal. It's it really is incredible. I always, you know, I, I've heard all this stuff about, uh, you know, that like last week there was people arguing on there about Los Angeles and San Diego, and you know they don't like Los Angeles, and uh, I can dig it. Like I'm cool with that. I I, uh, I get it. They want it to be a San Diego station. That's Cool with me. I'm not going to argue with anybody. Like, I like, uh, you have to understand, like, I lived in Huntington Beach for 10 years. So I lived in Surf City, which is, you know, below Long Beach. And, um, you know, to me, I was right in the middle of Los Angeles and San Diego, really. And um, I think it's pretty obvious where my allegiances lie uh, in San Diego. It's real simple. I go to San Diego all the time. I love San Diego. Uh, I, I take my family there. I vacation there. Uh, I've said a million times I would live there tomorrow. I would, uh, work there, live there, retire there, surf there, smoke there, you name it. I love San Diego. So whatever those people think like that, uh, you know, I I get how sensitive they all are. Uh, they're very sensitive. And fair enough, have at it, be sensitive all you want to your civic pride, your community, your town, all the rest. But know this, uh, I live in New York City, and I would just as soon live in hell 
uh, and I'd rather live in San Diego tomorrow. I've been here for 20 plus years in New York City, and it's it's insane here. And it's it's just to me, San Diego's paradise. Like I'm there all the time surfing and stuff and and living large and loving it. And I know the area and I, you know, I have friends there and I lived there for a long time. So I just love it there so much more than here. So when people are like, oh, he's some dude from New York, we don't want to listen to him either. Well, kiss my ass. Okay. How's that sound? Because I'd rather live there anyway. So I don't care what you think of me. I'm a badass. You know that. And I'm uh, right there all the time. So if you want to tell me what you think of me, then tell me to my face. None of your candy ass social media threats I listen to from all these sissies out there. Go ahead. You're so tough on your computer. What? (laughs) A lot of people moving out of New York City, man. You aren't the only one. Well, I haven't moved out. I'm, you know, I'm here. I'm stuck here forever, it would appear to me. But it is what it is. Like, I've gotten used to it. You know what I mean? Like, I, uh, when, when you live in, like, Huntington Beach, California, or in San Diego for a long time, and you move here to New York City, it's culture shock uh, for someone like me. But I have adapted. And whatever, like I met my wife here. I've been with her 20 years. I've had two kids with her. I've been here. That's all they know is New York. And uh, it is what it is. But I have never stopped uh, telling the truth. Mafia is my witness. I've never stopped telling people that, uh, you know, I love San Diego more than anywhere ever. And that includes the Caribbean. Uh, That includes everywhere. San Diego is the best place on earth. So that's my favorite place. And People that don't like me because I'm from New York, like I said, you know what they can do. Uh, There you go, John. Uh, There's the latest uh, update on my feelings about uh, Southern California. I love being on all over uh, California. I love being on everywhere. I'm on all over the country. I've been on all over the country for almost, you know, 30 years now. I've been on the radio 35 straight years, so... I don't worry about uh, Los Angeles or, you know, this city doesn't like that city and all that sissy stuff. That stuff doesn't face me for one second. Hey, everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys. And I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you. Because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down. And too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life. So I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We going to learn. And most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is going to be your church, your turn up, and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, for all on the bench, uh, Clarence Hills, our buddy from the Fort Worth Star-Telegram uh, down in Dallas, and uh, he's been on the bench a million times. we got to get him on the uh, coast-to-coast TV side of things for sure one of these days. 
uh, during the Cowboy season. But I wanted to talk to him tonight about everything that's going on uh, with Dak Prescott. How you doing, Clarence? Thanks for coming on the bench again. No problem, man. How you doing? I'm chilling. So uh, when you saw that happen, right, like when I was watching it live uh, and, you know, not to freak out or anything. I just, I've seen it happen before, like playing uh, basketball, right? I was in a game one night and a championship game mafia was in it. And, uh, this guy went down and he, uh, his foot like completely broke and went the wrong way. Right. It was like going the wrong way. And I was like standing right over him and I'm looking at this thing and I'm like, Oh my God. And then when I saw Dak, it looked like kind of the same kind of thing where it was like a compound fracture and it just, you knew right away that it was finished. When you saw it happen, uh, what was your initial reaction when it happened? Like in the moment? Yeah. I mean, it was the same as everybody else. You used, you knew it was a gruesome injury. Uh, his his leg was going the opposite direction. Dak is, you know, most into the sideline. And just the, the look of uh, shock and grief on, on the faces of his teammates, uh, Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones up in the press box, when a, when a, not the press box, but on the suite when the, when the, uh, the TV cameras panned up there and, and just the, the, the shock and just uh, the horror on their face. And it, it, was, a, it was a sight of horror. Because and, and and you know, think about it is it's not just about the injury; it's it's the ramifications of the injury. So you feel bad for Dak. You feel bad he's having to go through this injury. And we've seen this happen before. Alan Hearns, Cowboys receiver, had a similar injury happen to him during the playoff game a couple of years ago, and it was it was it was an ugly sight to see. But your mind immediately went to the fact that he didn't get paid. He didn't get his money. And what does this mean for a guy who's been trying to secure the bad and get this long-term contract extension? How would this affect that? And for a guy who's been through so much, losing his mother in college and then losing this past year, losing his brother uh, to suicide and going through depression and not getting a long-term deal he so richly deserved because he's been the best bargain in sports, certainly the best bargain in the NFL for the last four years. And now that all could be gone. Yeah, all of that, it was just the totality of it all was just yeah. overwhelming. Yeah, I mean, that's crazy, right? So uh, that's just, you know, the thing I worry about, I'll be honest with you, because I, I still think that all that will come. I think at the very worst, uh, you're looking at a tag. I know people don't want to hear that, but a tag again for 37-7. Uh, next year is a lot of money and it would be guaranteed at the very worst. I think that happens. And then as far as long term, I still think that that uh, could come to fruition. But like, I just want to ask you on the side of things, uh, at the very least from the jump here, mentally, you know, uh, he was obviously in shock, devastated, crying. Uh, he knew the ramifications of the injury that he was going to be out and he was going to go to the hospital and have surgery and all the rest. But you mentioned his uh, depression. Uh, he's been through so much. Uh, where do you think it puts him mentally that he has to go back to ground zero scratch and like PT and basically start over again with his foot? You know what? I, I think he's strong. And I think that the one thing that we're seeing, the fact that he's able to talk about it and acknowledge he had depression and what he's gone through. He's not a guy, you know, I, I would worry about somebody who tried to put up that, that fake tough guy, fake, you know, stance that I'm okay. I'm okay. You know, Dak has been a guy who's faced his, his challenges head on. He certainly talked about having the depression, but also seeking help. And he wanted to make a point to let people know what he was going through so others can seek help. And so 
I know this is something that he will be able to handle, and certainly he has the right people around him. Mike McCarthy talked today about staying in touch with him, him, him being a guy who's always reaching out to you and reaching out to other guys to help. And he said it's important that the Cowboys continue to stay uh, in touch with him, keep him around, and reach out to him, uh, not just in the coming weeks. It's almost like, you know, you know, when it first happens, everybody's always calling and calling and calling. But as the, the days turn into weeks and the months, then those calls stop. And so he said it's just a matter of point of for the players and the coaches and, and all of his people to stay in touch with Dak and, and stay, uh, you know, keep him close and, and keep him involved. So they're going to try to do that. But I think, you know, again, what he's gone through, what he's been through, uh, he's always showed strength and has been able to achieve in spite of and overcome. And the Cowboys feel the same way. This is something he will overcome. Jerry Jones said that, you know, the doctors believe that, you know, he will be better. You know, he will come back and can and can recover from this and, and be better than ever. You know, we all believe that's the case, but until it happens, you don't know. And just like you, you said, we think he's going to get the money. They say he's going to get the money. They say he's going to tag it. But until they do, we don't know, and we don't know what Andy Dalton's going to do, and maybe something Andy Dalton does changes their mind. You know, there's so much unknown out there, but right now everybody's saying all the right things and believing all the right things that, yes, he's going to get tagged, he's going to get his money, he's going to come back, and he's going to be like nothing happened before. But this, there is some doubt just because you have this injury. It's a four- to six-month recovery. So uh, Clarence Hill with us uh, from the Fort Worth Star Telegram. Do you – uh, believe that he'll uh, get a new deal from them in due time when he recovers from this. He's young. You know he's going to recover from this. And he's going to go through PT and everything else. Do you think that what's your feeling about Jones, the families, uh, you know, in terms of their thinking about this guy for the future right now? How would you think they're thinking? I mean, you know, you go back and look to how he started this season, you know, and, and he was tearing it up. He had passed for more yards through four games than any quarterback in the NFL history. Certainly, if you would add his numbers from his fifth game and he got hurt, his first five games is more than any uh, passing yards, any quarterback in Cowboys history. And, and so he was trended in the right direction. The Cowboys had already been uh, stockpiling money to pay him in offseason. They've been stockpiling the war trust Worcester, so to speak, they had been renegotiating deals to put money because they knew they were going to have to pay him, and they were trying to get ready to pay him in the offseason. I don't think it gets done this year. I think because of the injury, uh, most likely he will play. If if they do decide to re-sign him or uh, keep him, it will be on the franchise tag just to see how he, he recovers from that. But, you know, in the future, yeah, I think he'll he'll get his money. Certainly if, if, if he comes back healthy and, and there are no issues with the ankle, you know, certainly what he's done, his body of work, he's only going to get better. He's only, you know, a young man, I think 27 years old. So these quarterbacks look at Drew Brees, and he's playing tonight on Monday Night Football, and Tom Brady, they're playing into their 40s. He has plenty of time to catch up and get his money. So, uh, Clarence, how do you think they're going to do with uh, Dalton? And do you know anything at all about where they're looking for help? <laughs> Well, they, they just signed Garrett Gilbert uh, off the, uh, I think, the Browns practice squad, uh, former Texas and former SMU quarterback. But right. it's, it's going to be Andy Dalton and Ben Benucci and, and Garrett Gilbert. And there's one reason why you, you, you luckily, and, and I think they lucked up and, 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 and got Andy Dalton because no one thought that Andy Dalton would be free the way he was and then not get an opportunity to go somewhere else and play quarterback. I mean, Yes, Cincinnati had to make the decision they made, and they went for Joe Burrow, and and they moved on from Andy Dalton. But Andy Dalton is a nine-year veteran. Uh, 
Uh, and, and the Cowboys have not had a backup of that caliber. You know, and, and they didn't see, uh, he, you know, Dak Prescott having a season in the injury, but they did want some insurance in case he was injured, they would have a quarterback who would come and win games. You know, Dak Prescott has played every game, started every game since his rookie season, never missed a game, and he's been that durable. But last year in a huge game against the Eagles, he had to play basically with one arm, had to get shot up in his arm because they didn't trust the backup quarterback. You know, and, and that was really the difference in that season in going from an a eight and eight season or, or nine and seven season, eight and eight season, while they lost the division title last year. Ultimately, Jason Garrett was fired because they didn't trust the backup quarterback. Well, they didn't want to put themselves in that position again. And when Andy Dalton became free and wanted to, to come home and, and have a gap year, so to speak, at home before he went out there and hopefully tried to get a new starting job, uh, they brought him in here. And, and now they have a proven veteran quarterback who has won a lot of games. Uh, to replace Dak Prescott in this NFC East that is awful. If you look at the Eagles, you look at the Giants, <laughs> you look at the Redskins, the NFC East is still winnable. The Cowboys in first place at two and three. So I think that Andy Dalton can uh, nurse them enough to uh, compete for a division title in the NFC East. Respectfully, I got 90 seconds. Uh, I think the Cowboys defense is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> you, You and everybody else. I mean, what do you think? Oh, it's terrible. It's been terrible. And, and you know, uh, certainly they played better against the Giants, but that, that's the problem. That's the only question. You know, Dak Prescott almost had to score 30 points a game to keep up uh, with the other teams' offenses because the defense is so bad. Can Andy Dalton do the same thing? I think he's, he's, he's going to be a good quarterback. He's more of a game manager. The guy's going to go out there and throw for 400 yards a game like Dak Prescott has been. But they got to stop turning the ball over. They got to stop shooting themselves in the foot. They got to stop trailing by 14 points or more as they've done the last three games uh, to stay in it and have a more balanced offense. They will rely more on Ezekiel Elliott to help out their defense. So uh, next week they play uh, the Cardinals on uh, Monday Night Football right there in Arlington. Uh, I got 20 seconds. How do you think they'll do in that game? Uh, How are they going to stop Murray and Hopkins? They can't stop anybody. I don't think they stopped Murray and Hopkins. I think Murray's going to light him up. You know, there's no question about it. I think Murray's going to light him up. Hey, uh, I'm going to go watch that baseball game on the other end of the parking lot down there, uh, Clarence. I love you. Thanks for <laughs> getting us caught up on uh, the Dak scene. Uh, we'll be in touch, brother. Uh, stay healthy, man. Thanks. All right, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, Clarence Hill with the uh, Star Telegram down in Fort Worth. Uh, tough situation there with Dak Prescott. And this baseball game is really good. Braves and Dodgers still tied at ones late innings. So I was just saying in the church, uh, in the church chat, church room, whatever you want to call it, that uh, he'll get, uh, Dak will get $37.7 million next year, tag, fully guaranteed, no questions asked. I mean, that is the, you just heard Clarence, and I said that today on Coast to Coast, like, at worst, this guy's going to get $37.7 million for a one-year tag next year, because they tagged him this year they could tag him next year he doesn't like it but he's got 31 and a half million dollars this year fully guaranteed and now 
No one wants to be injured. No one wants to break their ankle. No one wants to go through PT. No one wants to wear a cast for eight weeks, whatever it is. No one wants to wear that boot. No one wants to have uh, that happen to them in life. It's the worst, right? Fair enough. But I got to tell you, I mean, honestly, if I had $31.5 million <laughs> and I was sitting in a boot out by my pool with five smoking hot supermodels <laughs> bringing me drinks, uh, I just wouldn't even care. Like, honestly, I'd be like, all right, the season's over. I lose. Uh, it's a drag. It sucks. But he just got $31.5 million for playing five weeks. That's it. He's getting paid. All of it. And the rest of the year, he does nothing. He's not playing again. Next year, that's what they're going to give him. They're going to give him the $37.7 million at worst. Now, if you were Mafia, if you were Jerry and Stephen Jones, in their right mind, even if they'd been on a yacht, that big-ass yacht of Jerry's, if, if they were out on the water for two months in the uh, South Pacific in Bora Bora, and they were smoking Bacalulu and drinking uh, you know, Mai Tais, and they came back and they had grown long beards and looked like Jesus, and they looked like they'd lost themselves, do you still believe they'd be stupid enough to give him a long-term deal right now when he just broke his foot in half, he broke his ankle, compound fracture. And it's like, you never, you have no idea if the guy will ever be the same. Now people, any doctor will tell you that the guy's going to heal. They'll tell you he's young, his bone will heal. He'll be fine. But you don't know that. You don't know that that guy won't have problems with that ankle for the rest of his career he could end up having you know massive scar tissue arthritis you name it like i mean i'm just as an example right i've had multiple surgeries and i've got problems with all those areas right like so i broke my hand in five places it's never been the same dude i got look at my finger it sticks out like I mean, look at that. <laughs> it sticks out. I got like, have you ever seen the, uh, have you ever seen the, the commercial with the guy that with the uh, progressive commercial? The guy goes, I, your, your deformed pinky is grotesque. <laughs> have you ever seen the one mm -hmm. where, then the guy's like, he's an international hand model. And he goes, your deformed uh, <laughs> pinky is grotesque. That's what I got. So all I know is, is that I got, uh, I've had arthritis in that hand, slow. It's it's like mud. This is as fast as I can close my hand. I swear to God, I cannot do it any faster because I've had, I have 50 screws in my hand. So my point is, Mafia, do you believe for one minute if they were on a yacht for six months and they came back looking like Jesus and they'd been smoking like pounds of hash and they were stupid and they hadn't shaved and they hadn't bathed once and they'd been living like animals <laughs> came back and somebody said, Hey, you want to sign the guy with the compound fractured ankle to a long-term deal right now? Do you think they'd be stupid enough to do it? No, of course not because they're in the sport of football and in football, they have the franchise tag. They have the transition tag. They have so many different ways to screw the players over that there's no way they're going to say, well, let's get locked into this guy long-term before we see how he comes back and how he performs on the field after this injury. If you're another sport, maybe you got to take that chance because you don't have those things at your disposal. But in the NFL, you know, you have that double franchise tag. And while it stinks as far as the injury and, you know, the, the physical therapy he's going to have to put in to get back into it, the questions he's going to have to answer about can he, you know, play at the same level, all that kind of stuff. 
I mean, in the end, wasn't the plan for him to get tagged once, tagged twice, and then the big deal? That's why he didn't sign the longer deal that they were offering. So it stinks that he's going through this, but it's not screwing up any of his plans at this point for what he want to do contract-wise. Your wayward pinky is grotesque. <laughs> That's what he says. Your wayward pinky to the guy. His pinky's off by like about a, a quarter. A quarter of an inch, and the guy goes, "Your wayward pinky is grotesque." I think that's what he says, isn't it? I know he says wayward. Oh, the Saints have tied again. Drew Brees, the greatest quarterback that ever lived. It's unbelievable. The story you can feel it coming all night, and they're tied it up down twenty-three. Now twenty to twenty into the fourth quarter. They go at Bourbon Street in New Orleans. Chaos and pressure. Drew Brees is phenomenal. He's throwing all kinds of robes and taking him down the field and scoring, and he looks magnificent. You'd think he was twenty-five years old again. It looked to By the me way, like. The, uh, the yeah. touchdown, it wasn't all the on the fly. There was a lot of, you know, yards after catch, but it, it was, was 37 yards. 41-yard touchdown pass to Cook. After the guy had not thrown a, a pass longer than 37 yards for three years. Actually, so that, you know what? It's probably only about 10 yards after the catch. It was a good 31 yards on the fly. Okay, so it still wasn't 37 yards. Well, it goes as a 41-yard pass. It doesn't matter if it didn't go all 40 on the, in the air. Well, then he broke the record. Then he uh, broke the futility mark that he had. How about Malcolm Jenkins there dropping that interception? Nice job, dude. I, mean, I think that was this whole second half. I could have sworn that was Jenkins that just dropped that ball. But That's why he's I'm wrong. The what? That's why he's a defensive back and not a receiver. I guess. I don't know, but I could have sworn that was him. I could be wrong. Uh, anyway, that should have been a pick, right? So when you like when you heard me talking before about him, right? It was Malcolm Jenkins. Missed first defensive snap in 43 games tonight. Ends a long Saturday streak in the NFL of 2,651 snaps. So he left the game. So before the game, he had like a mirrored face mask on. It was a mirrored he had a mirrored, like completely yellow, gold uh, face mask glass, like covering his eyes. And now he's gone to a clear one. So I don't know if that's why he left the game and, and changed his face mask because he couldn't see or something like that. Because before the game, he was wearing like this gold one, like the Saints, you know, colors or whatever. And it was it looked yellow like their helmet. It looked like the same color as their helmet. But that, now he's got a clear one on. So maybe that's why he left the game. Who knows? All I know is uh, maybe he should have stuck with the other one because he just dropped a pass right in his hands for a pick. But anyway, uh, when you heard me talking about Mafia earlier, about uh, Drew Brees this year, right? Do you disagree or agree that he's been um, bunk? I'll, I'll just use the word bunk as a, uh, you know, because I was going to say something much worse. No, he has been. I agree completely. He's looked old. He's looked, you know, not like himself. He's looked you know, like we saw Peyton Manning in the last couple of years. Maybe not as bad as the final, you know, year of Peyton Manning's career, but where it starts to slow down, he's not hitting the same zip on the ball and hitting the guys in stride and throwing behind him. You know, the timings off, all that kind of stuff that you start to that you saw with Manning at the end. You're starting to see with Breeze too. Although, you know, we have to see next week if he can stay, you know, on his best behavior. 
when Michael Thomas comes back, how much that changes. You know, is it just that he doesn't have his best receiver and he's going with guys that aren't on the same level, or is he just completely on his way out? Because that's been a big thing for him not having Thomas. And you know, the guy that probably should have been on the field today, but had to punch a teammate like an idiot and get himself out another game because he hadn't sat already. All right, so you know, I actually think like uh, I'll be honest with you, I get it why they decided to. Uh, shut down Thomas and sit him for uh, tonight's game because he got in a fist fight with a teammate, which is not cool or anything like that. I get all that, but would you would you bench your star no uh, receiver? Would you would you actually like? Because to me, it seemed like kind of collegey. You know what I mean? Like, uh, all right, so you swung at a teammate at practice. You're not playing Saturday, but would you actually do that to your best player in the NFL and bench him? for a game because he swung at a teammate in practice or would you uh fine him fine him money and play him you fine him and then you play him I mean, at, at worst you maybe sit him for a couple series of the first quarter so you don't bench him for the whole game when you've been missing him for three games and he, all you keep hearing is oh, when does he come back when does he come back like they need him back and you're at 500 in a division where you need the wins because you know right now it's Tampa's getting on their uh, horse and starting to win again. And Carolina's not as bad as we thought. I mean, obviously, they're in a decent position right now. It's not like they're out of it at two and two, but you're not running away with things like you thought you would. They've won three straight, uh, Carolina. They're three and two. Right. Right. I'm saying that North New Orleans is two and two. Oh, oh, who is? The Saints are two and two right now. They're 500. All right. Oh, all right. All right. So, um, anyway, here's the deal. If you have Eric, you have Emmanuel Sanders, Kamara, Callaway. They threw one to Murray tonight, two to Smith, and then one to Cook. The Callaway was one, Fowler two, Murray one, Smith two. He's thrown it to every guy almost except Taysom Hill, who came in and tried to throw a pass and he threw it into the ground. He didn't look good tonight in his uh, plays that he. Uh, was in on. I just don't think, uh, you know, obviously uh, Sanders having a big game. He's over 100 yards, an 11 yard average, and uh, his longest was 19. So the pass to Cook was the 41 yarder. So that was the one you were talking about. The ones to uh, Kamara was 14, Callaway 14, Murray 10. Everything else was single digits in terms of passes. I just feel like I'm watching a guy dinking it and dunking it around, which. I guess isn't the worst thing I've ever seen because bottom line is it doesn't matter if you throw it five or seven or eight, 10 yards. It's do you get first downs? Do you move the ball? Do you keep the ball? Do you move downfield? Do you score? It's simple. It does not matter how you get there to the end zone. It's a question of, do you get there? So if you're dinking and dunking and not getting first downs, and in the first half at one point, they had five punts and an interception. So that's the problem I'm having. And he had, you know, they scored a touchdown. He dove over the line to score right before the half to make it 20 to 10, right? So then they came out, made it 2013, then 2020. But before that touchdown by Breeze, where he dove over the top on third down, they had literally five punts and an interception. Right. So you can't even argue with the fact that they were terrible in the first half. Now they've woken up and they're alive. Sanders is having a game. He's over a buck. And uh, the Chargers problem is they haven't been able to stop Sanders. 
but they pretty much stopped everybody else. Now, all of a sudden, the game's tied, and you've got a game now, and there's seven minutes left, and now is when, you know, Drew Brees has to win this game. Mavi, do you know what the line closed at? What did it, what did it end at? Uh, I think it ended at seven. I think that's where it was before the game. I know in-game, I jumped on it when they started running down that drive at them getting two and a half, but I think they were still laying seven before it started. All right, so you you picked it up in-game at getting two? At the Saints getting two and a half, yeah. Saints getting two and a half. So bottom line is uh, there's just, you know, 640 and rolling, and they have the ball and uh, at their own 25, and you need them to go down and score a touchdown. Or... Uh, I'll take a field goal. I'm not. I'm not greedy. Field goal wins it too, but there's too much time, so I don't think they can roast six minutes uh, the way they've been playing. It's already third and eight. They've had trouble getting first downs. Like in my opinion, they've they've struggled to move the ball. I know they've come back in the game. Uh, big deal, you know. All right, so here's the deal. I'm sitting there watching Breeze. It's third and eight, and what does he do? He throws the ball three yards, and then uh, the guy gets annihilated because there's three guys there to defend him. And uh, the minute he makes the catch, the corner's on him, and then, you know, two linebackers come in, and and they they all crush the dude. Like, what quarterback in their right mind, in my opinion, it's third and eight that you throw the ball three yards thinking that it's all done. Now, how about this? Herbert just threw a bomb to Williams wide open for the game-winning touchdown. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Did you see how 64-yard bomb to Mike Williams, and did you see how bad the Saints defense was on that play? I mean, this guy was so wide open, he was cooking hot dogs on a barbecue at the beach. Oh, my God. What was that guy? What was Robinson doing? Look at this defense. You have to see it to believe it. If you're watching a game, if you're just listening to me, trust me when I help, just let him go. Look at that. Look at that defense. I cut that guy right now after the game. I here's me, the owner. I cut Robinson. What was he doing on that play? Can you even explain it to me? What was that defender? What was that corner doing? He just let that guy run right past him and he stood there and did absolutely nothing. It was like he was watching like he was on his cell phone or something. What was he doing? He that thought he had the, the safety behind him. Well, the safety was pretty much right, you know, right up on him when they started the play beforehand. So why do you think the guy was behind him and had his back and just let the guy release like that? That was stupid. There was no safety behind him. There was exactly. no one there. There was no one there at all. This guy, that was the worst. That was the worst play I've ever seen by a cornerback in my life ever. That's the worst defensive coverage I've ever seen. In fact, the Herbert is a rookie and they're, entire team is on the sideline right now laughing laughing at at, at robinson hey robinson's over there picking his nose on the sideline he's sitting on the bench picking his nose uh, if i'm the coach if i literally i'm never playing him anymore ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie or how to master the art of cooking either way we've got you covered with the two guys from hollywood podcast I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. 
Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon.